Welcome to the Pikes Peak Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Welcome to Pikes Peak Christian Church. My name is Sam Silvius. I'm the next-gen pastor here at the church. Um, and so it is great to be with you this morning on this little bit of a different morning, as obviously you've seen already, uh, our family worship weekend. Uh, we have our first through fourth graders in here with us. And, and let me explain to you real quick why we do this. Um, the reason that we've invited our first through fourth graders in here is not um, to give our elementary leaders a break, although they appreciate that, but that's not why we've done that. The reason that we've invited them in here is because we think that the most important influencer of a child's faith is their parent. And because of that, it's important that we take a couple of times a year, just a few times, to come together and let our kids see us worshiping. And let our kids see us worship God in our tithes and offerings. And let let our kids see us worshiping through communion and, and standing together and hearing God's word and applying that to our lives. And so this isn't just about us taking a break. This is about giving you an opportunity Uh, to be the primary influencer in the life of your kid. Now, we... Um, we talk a lot in here to you adults, right? And it's good that we do that. And so um, we, you know, if you make that argument that it's good for our kids to see this, why don't we do it every week? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, there are some conversations that we need to have in here with you um, that probably are not good for your kids to hear right at the moment. There's some things that we need to tackle, some things that we need to deal with um, in this room as we preach about them that your kids just, they have no interest in or they're not there yet developmentally, they're not thinking that way. And so it's better most of the time for us to talk to you in here and for us to talk to your kids over there. Now, the goal in both places is the same. We hope that all of you, kids and students alike, all of you adults as well, will encounter God and have the opportunity to say yes to him on every Sunday. And we think we can do that just a little bit better on that side with your kids on an ongoing basis than we can over here for them. And we think we can do that better for you on this side uh, than we can over there. That's why you guys come here and they go there. But every once in a while, it's good for us to come together and see that we're both following and serving and worshiping and loving the same God. And so that's what today is all about. So if you're new here, I just want to let you know we don't always have all these kids in here, but today we do and we're excited for them. Um, And so welcome. Thank you for being here. If this is your first time at Pikes Peak Christian Church, um, I just want to say good morning and welcome to you. Uh, We would like to give you a gift uh, just for checking us out as a church. We know that's difficult and you can pick that up um, at the Welcome Center. That's the round counter just outside these doors right after the service. So there's a couple of things since I've got your attention uh, that I want to talk to you about a little bit. So since we take your kids over there um, and we really try to engage them, there's three things that we're trying to do in NextGen across the board from two-year-olds all the way to 18-year-olds. These three things are what we're trying to get um, into our kids. And, And they are, we want our kids to see God for who he is. We want them to see themselves the way that God does. And we want them to love others the way he does. And we think this is a good way to describe everything we're trying to do uh, for our kids from two years old all the way to 18. Now, in the elementary realm, the first through fourth graders, which is who's in here today, um, we say this, um, we tweak it a little bit, and we say it very specifically in this way. We want our first through fourth graders to leave that environment knowing these three truths. That there's a really big God that they can trust no matter what. That they need to make wise choices. Parents, how many of you want your kids to make wise choices? Right? Amen. And so, um, and the last thing is that they should treat others the way they want to be treated. And so that's how we express those three things in the context of our elementary program. Now, the way that we do this is with something that we call a life app. Now, a life app is basically an application that we want to install in the lives of your kids. And so there are things like patience and peace and joy and and other things like this. And so this last month, for the month of March, if you've been paying attention, uh, we've been learning about patience, right? And so kids, what's patience? 
waiting until later for what you want now, right? Great job, guys. Um, and so we've been working on this all month. We've been talking about this Life app, and that's how we do it. We, we pick an app for the month, and we focus on that all month. Next month, we'll start on peace, starting next week. And so um, for this month, though, we're talking about patience. And so um, this is just a great way for us to embody what it means to follow Jesus in these lives of these kids. Now, we also do something called a bottom line. And and the bottom line, I'll talk a little bit about that just for a second. Um, The reason we have a bottom line is because we we teach scripture. We use um, Bible stories and verses to to get the point across. But it's really kind of hard sometimes for kids to understand the meaning. And so what we do is we take the meaning of that story, the principle, the application of that story, whatever it was, and we put it in a really rememberable phrase. And so this way, our kids can remember what it is. Now, I'll tell you what the bottom line was in just a minute because there's a funny story that goes along with it. But let me tell you that the magic doesn't happen in that room. Like your kids aren't instantly changed just because they came uh, to our kids program on a Sunday morning. Where the magic really happens is when you as parents engage with this content at home and you begin to help them see, oh, what I learned at church has real life application at home. What I learned at church on Sunday morning actually has something, there's something for me to do with that at home in my everyday life, at school, with my siblings, with my parents. And so um, I've got a couple of ways for you guys to engage with this content that you might not be aware of. Now, every week, we send home something called the Parent Q card. And so this is a half sheet of paper, um, and on that paper, um, this is the front side of it, and on the front of it is the memory verse for the month. We do one memory verse for the month. Um, The patience, the life app for the month, and then our Bible story for the week and our bottom line for that week. And so those go home with you, um, and I know some of you don't know that because I see them all over the floor and the parking lot. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But seriously, um, those go home with you every week. So you can take those and begin to engage with this content at home. Now, flip over on the back side. And we've got a little uh, thing here called the mealtime. And the mealtime, there's two questions there on this card. Ask a kid and ask a parent. And so we find that questions are sometimes the best way to engage your kids in what they're learning and how it applies and what it means to their lives. And so we've got a question there that you can ask your kids and talk about this concept. And then the question there that they get to ask you to see how patience is real in your life. Because once again, you are the primary influencer of faith in their life. And so this is a great way uh, to engage in this content. Now, uh, it's not the best way though. Because if you're like me, the reason that those papers are all over the car and all over the floor and don't even make it to the car half the time is because you have four children and really you're just trying to get to lunch. I mean, I get it, right? I've got four kids. I get two of them in the spectrum. I mean, I get it. I, I totally understand. The cars don't make it to my house either, okay? But um, that's why I want to tell you about this next thing. What we're going to do starting next week, if you sign up for it, we will send you an email every week at 11 o'clock. So that's right in between our two services. So that means if you had attended 9.30, you'll get that email by the time you're in the car. If you're attending this service, you'll get it before you come in here and you'll have it when you get to the car. So by the time your kids leave our program on Sunday morning, you'll have received this email which has all of that same content in it. Now, we're gonna do this at all of our environments. So this is for early childhood, elementary, and all of our student ministry environments, um, including high school. And so wherever your kids are at, you can sign up for the appropriate mailing list and you'll get the right emails, okay? And so you just go onto our website, yestogod.org slash nextgen slash engage and you can sign up uh, for those emails. Now there's one other thing I want to tell you about because it's really cool. 
Um, and it's going to cost you $2 if you want to do it. So this is just my disclaimer. But it's called the Parent Q app. So if you have a smartphone or a tablet, um, you can actually download an application on your phone. And the content that we talk about every single week um, in our children's program will be pushed to your phone. This is both for early childhood and elementary. You'll actually get the videos professionally done of the Bible story. So you guys can watch them again at home. Even though they've seen them here, you guys can watch them and engage with them. That's what my kids love to do that. We bring up the videos and we watch them throughout the week home. And so I've been test driving this application uh, on my phone for um, about a month now, maybe two months, um, just to see how it works. And I'm telling you, there's some great content so you can engage in conversation, so you can talk to your kids about what they're learning, about how it applies to their lives. So this is a great way for you to engage in their faith at home. Now, I do have to warn you, though, here's what can happen when you begin to engage. At the beginning of this month, um, we, had, uh, we were talking about patience, and the bottom line was, when you think you can't wait, think twice. And I will never, ever in my life forget this bottom line, nor will my children, because here's what happened. Um, we had the, the app, the Parent Q app, and so Monday night, we pull up the app, we watch the video, I begin to talk to my, my son, Ben, who's in first grade, about what does it mean to be patient, and where's an area where you need to be patient? And he said, well, with the we. Now, so we have a Wii at home, and the rule around the Wii is we don't get to play Wii until all of our chores and all of our homework is done, and we have to turn it off when it's time to come eat dinner, right? So there's some patience that has to be, um, you know, demonstrated around the playing of the Wii, but that's a really hard area for him, or at least it was. And so um, we, I came home, and I said, let's, let's look at this video. We did that, and I said, Ben, you know, when you, what happens when you aren't patient with the we. Well, he knows the consequences. If he freaks out, if he throws a fit, if he argues with me about not getting to play, then we lose it for the night. And I said, so when you're not patient, it actually takes longer to get what you want than when you are patient. Parents, any of you had that experience? right? Need to be patient because when we're patient, things come to us. And when we're not patient, we usually mess it up and it takes longer, right? So kids, listen, your parents need patience too. And so do you, right? And so Ben and I are having this conversation. So the next day, or, and I told him, I said, so what you need to remember when you're freaking out about the we is when you think you can't wait, think twice. And so the next day I came home and I said, Ben, it's, you know, we're not playing we right now because we haven't done your chores. We haven't done your homework. We need to get started on that stuff. And I said, what do you need to remember? And he said, when you think you can't wait, think twice. And we didn't have a fit. We didn't have an argument. We didn't fight about it. There was no crying. It was just like transition perfectly. No problem, right? And so I'm telling you, this stuff works, right? It works when we engage at home and show them how it applies to their everyday lives. They'll actually engage in it sometimes. Now, here's the downside, just so you know. At the end of last week, or at the end of that week, rather, um, they were running a little bit late in, at home um, on Friday morning, um, and Ben was supposed to be going to school, and the bus was coming to pick him up. And in fact, the bus was there outside of our house, and he didn't have his shoes on yet. And so my wife is, is screaming up to him, not screaming, but yelling in a loving tone. She's sitting right here. <laughs> She's speaking loudly in a very loving and nurturing way to my child, okay? Um, not screaming, not screaming. But she's talking to Ben. And she says, Ben, you got to go. Hurry up, man. Hurry, buddy. Your bus is here. You got to get your shoes on. We got to get out the door. And Ben, from the top of the stairs, looks at her and goes, Mommy, you need to be patient. <laughs> you are not being patient. When you think you can't wait, think twice. And so, so, but you know, there's, there's, we laugh about that. It's funny, but here's the thing. He got it, right? He understood that there was a need to be patient. And so it happened in his life. So I just really want to encourage you uh, to begin to engage with this content at home uh, so that you can see some of this life change happening in your kids' lives because nobody has the ability to influence like you do. Okay, and so for today, again, the bulletin looks a little bit different today. And you'll notice if you've looked at it that on there, there's three questions. 
Ask a kid, ask a parent, and ask a kid. And the reason I've done that is because I want to give you an opportunity this morning as you leave here to engage with this content um, with your first through fourth graders. Now, some of it's going to be over their heads, and that's okay. Some of it is going to hit them right where they're at. And so I just want to give you a chance as parents to engage with it. So now that you know what your job is when you leave here, now you know what the homework is, we can, we can move on and begin to talk about our um, series that we're in. So <clears throat> let me refresh your memory. If you've forgotten from last week, we're in a series called The Cross Still Speaks. And last week, Pastor Darren preached a message that said um, we're loved, right? And that's what, that was the takeaway from the message, that we are loved. But he reminded us of a few things. He reminded us that things are worse than we think they are. He reminded us that we are ungodly, sinful people who are powerless to change. But God's great love for us made a way for the forgiveness of sin. Through the cross, Jesus reconciled us to God and saves us from his coming wrath. Now, that's, that's the whole sermon, essentially. Now, that's the Sam's Note version. So, I mean, if you weren't here last week, you should go on our website and listen to it and watch it um, streaming because it was really good, right? I mean, Darren's a great preacher, and so it was good to hear that. But I'm just giving you the, catching you up in case you missed. So that's what we talked about. Now, I want to pick up here because some of us have heard this. We've grown up in church, or maybe even if you haven't grown up in church, you've kind of heard this message that Jesus died for my sin so that I could go to heaven. And that's true, but that's not the whole truth. There's, there's a piece in there, and there's a bullet point there that said we are being reconciled to God. And, and I, I tell you, growing up in church, I, like, I didn't understand this, and I still don't fully understand it, and it, trust me, it has still fully not happened, but it's happening. And I think that it's important that we understand a little bit about what it means to be reconciled to God. So part of that, not the whole of it, but part of it is this idea of being free. This idea of being set free. And you may have heard that, that we're set free from sin and that Christ sets us free and that Jesus came to set us free. And we sing about it, right? Our kids sing a song over there uh, occasionally that it's, I'm free to run. I'm free to dance. I'm free to live for you. But what does it really mean to be free? Well, to understand what it means to be free, I think we need to understand what we're being freed from. So we're going to back up and take a look at this. And, and here's what I know. I know that me and you and your kids and my kids all have something in common. And I know this because I've watched it happen. And let me tell you where I see it most evident. It's in my three-year-old, right? So my three-year-old has this problem. And I mean, he's three, right? So um, it is what it is. But so here's my three-year-old. And I'm just warning you, if you ever come to my house to have dinner or coffee or dessert or whatever, and you're coming over to chat, I just want to warn you that if you see my son Wesley to be on your guard, my son is all boy, and he just wants to kill stuff all the time. Like, I don't know. I don't understand it, man. He's more boy than anybody I've ever met, right? He's just all boy. And so occasionally, um, and by occasionally, I mean once or twice a day, he'll walk up with his fist and just pound on me in the chest, right? For no reason, right? He just hits me just because he's three, I guess. But so he'll come up and hit me and I say, Wesley, why did you hit me? I don't know. <laughs> Wesley, is it nice to hit? no. Are, are we supposed to hit people? No. Do you want a spanking for hitting people? No. Then why did you hit me? I don't know. And then we laugh, right? We laugh. But if we really think about it, we do the same thing, right? There are things in our lives that we don't really want to do, but we keep doing them. And there are things in our lives that we really wish we would do more of, but we don't do them. Going to the gym? Just saying. And that, that's our experience. And so for me, one of the ways this plays out in a big way is with um, a, a soda that I like to drink called Diet Dr. Pepper. 
Some of you, see, some of you are laughing because you know that um, I will sometimes walk around with bottles of them and drinking. And it's horrible for you, right? I mean, it's terrible. All the science says soda is really, really bad for you. You should never drink it ever, right? And, and I know this, and I go, man, I, I don't want to be a soda drinker. I, I, I just don't. I want to be healthy, and I don't want to drink soda. And yet, I inexplicably find myself driving to the store, buying soda, opening the soda, pouring it in the glass, and then drinking it. And I don't want to be a soda drinker, but I keep drinking soda. And I, that's a silly example, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there are things in your life that you don't want to do, but you can't help it. There are things in your life that you want to do and you just can't make it happen. And kids, I know that's true for you as well. And Paul was an apostle and Paul had the same problem. But Paul had an answer to why we do these things. Paul had a solution as to why these things happen, why we do these things that we don't want to do. So I want to turn to Romans chapter 7. And as you do, I'll tell you a little bit about who Paul was so we can look at the problem that Paul had and what he thought the answer was. Now Paul, if you don't know, was um, an apostle. And so what that means is that he had this um, crazy experience with Jesus on the, on the way to persecute Christians. He was going to kill Christians, and he had this encounter with Jesus, and it turned his life around, and he became this guy who ended up planting a whole bunch of churches um, in what's now Turkey, in Asia Minor. And so he went around and planted all these churches on several different mi- missionary trips, and then he would write letters back to these churches. And those letters were actually collected and put in a book that we call the Bible. And most of the New Testament, not all of it, but most of the New Testament is letters written by Paul. And so we're going to look at one of those letters this morning. It's the letter that he wrote to Rome. And in chapter 7 of that letter, here's what Paul says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Sound familiar? It does to me. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So Paul has, says the answer to this question, why, at least his answer to the question, why do I do things I don't want to do, is because there's a thing called sin and it's living inside of us. Now, If you're like me and you grew up in church or you've heard about sin somewhere, you've probably heard that sin is a verb. It's things that we do, right? I mean, that was my understanding. It's it's when we don't do something that God's told us to do or when we do something that God didn't tell us to do. But Paul says it's not a verb. It's a noun. It's a what. It's a thing living in us. Well, Well, how in the world... Does that work? How did that happen? How did he even get there? Well, Paul answers that question for us too. If we flip over back just one chapter, uh, two chapters, I'm sorry, to Romans chapter 5, I'll just read it to you, verse 12. Paul says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. Now, there's some really, really smart people who have thought about this for a really long time, and I'm just going to give you, like, the high school version, okay? Because if they got it, I think you can get it. So I'm going I'm to explain to you how this kind of works. So what Paul is saying is that there was a guy, and his name was Adam. He was a real, literal person. The, the Adam that you've heard about in Edom, the, Eden, the first person to ever live, that was a real person. And all of us are descendants of Adam. And what happened in the garden is Adam sinned. And because Adam sinned, sin was brought into his life. It was made a part of who he is. And so since we are all descendants of Adam, we carry that same defective, sinful gene. Every single person in the world 
carries the sin gene. And so Paul would say it like this, we were born in Adam. So I have a picture here. As you may have guessed, it's full of Diet Dr. Pepper. That's just for me. Okay, don't worry about that. It's just so I know what's going on. It's really so I can be ministered to myself this morning. So, um, but there's a picture here. And, and so in this picture is a bunch of ice cubes. And all of us are ice cubes. Every person to ever be born is an ice cube in this illustration, okay? And this is Adam. And we are all born in Adam. And we are stuck in Adam. We are born here. We're stuck here. We are sinners because we were born in Adam, okay? But Paul says this, we're hopeless, right? We're born in Adam. There's nothing we can do about it. But he didn't leave us there. So he says there's good news. See, see, some of us, though, have thought that we're good people that have done a few bad things, and so we need Jesus. And I don't want you to miss this, because Paul's not saying that at all. What Paul is saying is that because you are human, because you were born in Adam, you are a fundamentally bad person. You are fundamentally, at your core, a sinner. Now, kids, there's, a, there's good news for you right here, because when, when you get in trouble... And mom and dad say, why did you do whatever you did? You can just say, I don't know, I'm just a sinner. Okay, I'm just, I'm just, that's a freebie right there. Okay, but here's the thing, right? We're all there, right? We're sinners. We are born in sin. We can't help it. There's no way out. But, but, but Paul says there's good news. So we're going to jump into chapter 6, and we're going to see what Paul says the good news is. In, in chapter 6, verse 3, this is what Paul says. Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So here's the good news. The good news is, is that if you know Jesus, if you are in Christ, if you have accepted him, if you surrender to him, the good news is you've died. Here's how it works. It doesn't sound like good news, but it is. Because what happens is, and this is what we celebrate when we baptize people, right? That's why we say goodbye. Because in that moment, we're celebrating this symbolism that we have died with Christ. It's not that Christ died for us, but we have been, um, it's called propitiation. It's a big word that we use in church world. But what it means is that Christ's death is given to us. It's credited to us that, that we get credit for what Jesus did. And so we died with Christ. And because he was raised to a new life, we were raised to a new life. And when that happens, we are taken out of Adam, taken out of Adam and placed in Christ. Now, you guys can't see that ice cube, can you? All you can see is the picture, this beautiful picture, which is the same way that God sees you if you're in Christ. He doesn't see the sin over here. He doesn't see what you used to be. He doesn't see the ice cube. All he sees is Christ and the righteousness of Christ. And so there's this crazy, weird, beautiful, wonderful thing that happens because I'm telling you, I'm looking in here and I can still see an ice cube. And that's our experience. We are simultaneously made right and perfect and justified before God, but at the same time being made right and being made new before God. We are right. We have a right standing with God. We are in Christ, but at the same time we are not Christ-like. 
And that process takes years. And here's the experience, uh, how it's played out for me. This is how um, it, it has been in my life. And so, um, uh, Kyle, come up here real quick. This is how this has played out for me. Because I know this. I'm a pastor, right? I mean, I get this, right? I studied this. This is the whole reason I went to college, right? To get this piece over here. And, and I get it, right, that I'm in Christ. But my experience says that I'm still battling and wrestling with sin. And that's the same thing that Paul said. So here's what it's like. When we are born in Adam, which all of us are, it's as if... Put your hands up. You got some hairy arms, dude. I'm sorry. Thank you. Let, me, let me protect you a little bit here. When we are born in Adam, it's like this. It's like this. We don't have a choice. We wrestle with sin. Because we are tied to it. And no matter how hard we try to get away... We can't let go. We can't put it down. And this is what happens. We are born this way. We are born sinners. We don't have a choice but to sin because we were born sinners and we can't let go. But here's what happened. Jesus came and when he died on the cross, he said, you died with me. And what he did is he cut off the tape. This is really good tape. (laughs) Sometimes it takes years to be set free. Just saying. This worked a lot better last hour. Can you let go of that? Yeah. Okay, so he cuts off the tape. He cuts the tape off, and we're set free, right? But this is our experience. We like the rope. The rope is fun. The rope is familiar. The rope seems good to us at times. And so even though we have been cut free, we pick it back up, and we hold on to it. We walk around with it like we're stuck to this thing. And friends, what I want you to hear this morning. Thanks, buddy. What I want you to hear this morning. You could put down the rope. Jesus died to set you free from sin. Paul said it this way. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Sin does not have to be your master anymore. It doesn't have to be your ruler. It doesn't have to reign in your life. Now, now understand me, this is a long process. This isn't an overnight thing. This isn't a just, I'm going to just decide not to do this anymore. If you've ever been addicted to anything, you get that. Okay, and I know that it can be hard to put down the rope. But friends, I just want you to know that there's hope. That Jesus says you have been set free. If you are in Christ, you don't have to carry the rope anymore. And so I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm asking our prayer partners to come forward and be available up here because what I want you to hear this morning, I know there's, there's things. There's things that are difficult to let go of. There are things that are hard to let go of. We want to partner with you. We want you to be free in Christ. We want you to live free in Christ. And so if you need some help with that this morning, our prayer partners are here. They want to pray with you. Now, if you need, have something bigger going on, we have a counseling program. We would love to get you involved with some counselors who can help you walk for a long season because sometimes it takes months and years to put down the rope but we want you to put it down and we want you to live free that's what Jesus wants for you and hear me now because some of you in this room are still taped to that rope you've never surrendered to Jesus you've never said Lord I want you to set me free and today is your day if you have been taped to this rope for years and you want to set you want to be set free you want to let it go today is your day come forward we would love to introduce you to a Jesus who wants to set you free so we're going to sing together 
We're going to be up here to pray with you. And by the power and grace of Jesus, be set free today. Thanks for listening to today's message. Be sure to join us again next time.